Golay presents Recorded History with TheRecordHub.com 100% Irish and direct to your door. Greetings Recorded History nerds and nosy parkers and welcome to Recorded History with TheRecordHub.com My name is Ed Smith and this is our weekly chat with someone with a story to tell and some records to discuss. On this week's episode I am joined by one of Ireland's most respected prolific and versatile visual artists, Al Hester, a.k.a. Mazer, who took some artistic license by bringing four choices to enter his Recorded History Hall of Fame. Now, I'm not an art guy by any stretch of the canvas, but of course, I'd seen Mazer's work around Dublin for years, and of course, his iconic repeal graphic, which adorned the Project Art Centre before it was ridiculously painted over by the man. Anyways, Al has such a gorgeous, chilled energy, and despite... His international reputation as one of the most influential visual artists around is still so unaffected by it all, I feel. His connection to his excellent record choices, too, is a work of art in itself. So without further clunky art-related puns, here he is, Mazer himself, Al Hester. Now, we've had all kinds of artists on recorded history so far. Musical artists, of course, a few bullshit artists in the mix. But I'm very honoured, I have to say, to welcome our first full-blown and actual (laughs) artist to the pod, Mr. Al Hester, a.k.a. Mazer. Thank you so much for coming in today to chat about some of your most important records. Yeah, yeah. I'll go with Bullshit Artist. Will I throw you in there as well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put me there. We've got a Bullshit (laughs) Artist month coming up, so I'll put you (laughs) at the top of that. Uh, And another first, actually. Uh, We normally do three albums on the podcast and in a gorgeous act of universal cosmic rebalancing. I had Alex Capranos from Franz Ferdinand on recently, yeah. and we only got one. Right. Due to some unforeseen circumstances, and I want to put this asterisk in, that were nothing to do with me, that were to do with his people. I'll just say, I'll leave it at that, Al. <laughs> he, he didn't get the list to me in time, and then we only got, we started talking about one, ran out of time. So we've got four today with you. Yeah. So I think it's going to be a nice kind of redressing of that. So Yeah. So by, by the virtue of the fact that we have four from you, Al, I, I would assume that it was a difficult task, was it, to narrow it down? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, I'm a visual artist and probably you, if I was to think, I would think that maybe music doesn't have a big part to play mm. in my life. But then when you're asking me to put together a list, it does. It does so for everyone. There are sort yeah. of uh, bookmarks, you know, to moments. That's how I feel, so... So we'll crack on. Listen, and they're phenomenal choices. Are they? I have to say, yeah, I have to <laughs> say. It's nice to get a bit of hip-hop, and that's where we're starting. Yeah. But Al Hester is your first uh, entry into your recorded history. It's 1996, one of the great hip-hop albums from one of the great hip-hop acts of all time. Can you tell us what it is? It's uh, Outcast. Uh, we used to call him a jungle, AT Aliens. Yeah, or I was convinced and sure of myself it was Atelians, Atelians. Yeah, but what have you? What have you just said? Definitely gives that impression that it's a it's sort of comic book artwork and it looks like they're landing on Earth. Yeah. Um, So outcast, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, really. Um, The reason for that, I guess, for me to get into it. Yeah. um, That was 1996, wasn't it? Yeah. So around late 95, 96, I started getting interested in graffiti. That's when you started, isn't it? Yeah. Pretty much in earnest. um, I think there was sort of a coming of age there, sort of. You're leaving your home a little bit more. You have a bit more freedom. And uh, my friend Gus, or Goose, his older brother, Lachlan McSweeney, 
Um, he's part of Choice Cut. He used to be part okay, of Choice yeah. Cuts. He used to do graffiti, and his tag was Rhythm. And I sort of idolised him when I was younger. And uh, his room, he'd he'd decks and uh, graph photos all over the walls. And that was the first CD he gave to me because I was sort of showing an interest in hip hop. Mm. And all the other lads weren't. They were still just, I don't know what they're Nirvana, I guess. Yeah, it would have been around that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, and he gave me that album, and I just had it on loop. It was the first CD I. It was the first CD I held, like had it properly. Um, because prior to that, there was sort of cassettes, man. I'm Would have been, back. yeah. Yeah. I know. Yeah. The first cassette was actually Moby. <laughs> oh, Play? Yeah. Uh, what no, was it? No, the one before uh, that. so was... real. I think it was just like yes, a, a, sorry, yeah. CD, a single and a, yeah. and a cassette. Yeah, yeah. Bottom right minds. But anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, that, uh, that Outcast album was amazing. And I think that was sort of the starter of my graffiti interests and career and then exploring city and finding people that were more aligned yeah. to the interests that I had. Because from an outsider's point of view, you know, graffiti would, in my thoughts, be very much tied in with hip-hop. Yeah. 100%. You know, the culturally, you know, coming yeah. from the States and the tagging and the... Yeah. For me, even from a visual sense, that the two worlds were very interlocked. Yeah, they were. You know, so it's no surprise to me that you picked a hip-hop album, I suppose. You know, um, yeah. it's interesting, this one from Outkast, they'd... This is their second album. Um, the first one, Southern Playlist to Cadillac Music, which is all written in one word. So I've had to split it out here to make <laughs> yeah. sure that I got it right. So these are they're from Atlanta, obviously. Yeah. So you know there was the East Coast, West Coast. That was all. It was all about that. You know. Yeah. And suddenly things started happening down down the south, and the first album kind of fell into the normal tropes of boastful women, yeah. you know, champagne, yeah. big cars, and they got a bit of money for this after the success of the first one. And Andre 3000, who I, who I consider, now I don't know much about hip-hop, straight up honesty, I think he's one of the greats. His yeah. flow and his command physically yeah. of, of, of rapping those words yeah. is something that I find absolutely astonishing. And then it kind of couples beautifully with Big Boy, but they kind of ex they, they kind of moved away from all that boastful bullshit. This is it. I think even this, in the yeah. production it was very evident. Exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, compared to yeah, the East Coast, West Coast. And, you know, obviously a young guy listened to Tupac. To yeah, very yeah. Biggie sort of. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the production of that and there's a song Wheels of Steel and just that, that production of that song was just incredible. Oh, I was listening to it all day yesterday. It's just... It's, it's so, so mm, good. It grooves beautifully, doesn't it? Yeah. And there's something there. I ended up actually living in Arkansas years ago. Wow. And then so, and it was bringing all that back as well. I don't know what it is. There's some, there's something. There's there. something of the Southern Gothic about yeah, it, isn't there? Very yeah, very authentic about America. Then, then that part, anyway, for sure. Compared to what I sort of, when I think of New York, it's it's great fun, but it's it's a bit of. A, I consider New York its own planet. I don't think it's. Yeah. It, I don't think it's even I America. Say European. That's not correct. It's, it's just. It's not even America. I don't know. It's just uh, the Baron Star Wars. You know, it's just <laughs> kind of like. What is going on? It's, I'm going to jump a, in here. For it's a got an incredible time. energy, but the, you know it does wear you out. I, I was going to say it's because I was meant yeah. to move on to New York then oh. after that, yeah. and I wasn't ready. I had to check myself and go, "No, this is going to suck you in." Yeah, that's it. And you're just going to be sped out in two years with <laughs> God <laughs> like, knows with what. I don't know what. <laughs> Only <laughs> so the doctor gonna, can tell us. I'm yeah. going to give it a minute until I'm ready for it. So to go back, Al, you know. Great choice for your first one, 1996. You're just telling us there. So you started in around 95. Whereabouts in Dublin were you born and raised? I was, well, I was first in a place called Mount Talent. It's in Harles Cross. Right. And then uh, I've always sort of lived around the south side, the canal, rat yeah. mines. Uh, where else? We live down in Beggar's Bush now. But um, 
lived up in Germany. So you've been around? Sort of, I've always sort of gravitated towards the canal. And yeah, then I said, yeah. I've moved away. And I always sort of come Are you back there now? The canal. Yeah, we've just bought a oh, house. Beautiful. Um, in the old army barracks there. And you've spoken before, I've seen you say that the Dublin of the 80s, to your mind, mm. was Dublin at its most beautiful. Yeah. And I, I was struck by that because, again, I'm not from Dublin. I moved here in around, actually, 95, 96. And um, I suppose the perception then of Dublin in the 80s even. Now, there was a lovely vibe around the 90s and the noughties. We'll get to the noughties in a second. Yeah. With one particular album. But... From from my perception, there was a, a grayness about Dublin, or there okay. was a kind of you know monochrome, a kind of a pallor around the place that reflected the kind of I suppose depressed, slightly kind of yeah. economically repressed nature yeah. of the business. But it was I I'd never seen anyone describe Dublin of the eighties as Dublin at its most beautiful. Because I was I was young, so I was mm. innocent, I was freedom. I didn't have the pressures yeah. that we do. You're you're not old enough to be self conscious or anything. To really like have really impact like there was innocence there it was quite simple the 80s again I talk about my talent there and going up to Sundrive Shopping Centre and mm. a simpler sort of time um, I was asking my mum they bought the house I think for 10 grand wow. and I was up there the sort of woodworkers the Tato factory used to be next door and I was like oh look up the houses now you know with the dream of buying it again it's like 600 grand that estate the cloisters and I was like you know that's that's a lot different but um What's been lost, do you think? Uh, what's been lost? Accessibility, I guess, yeah. But, like, you know, I come from middle class. I'm not, I'm not saying that, like, I don't have access to things. around. But, the, but then, you know, the, the positives to it are to, it's, it's, how do I say, it's sort of a transient city. It yeah. changes, and I've got context because I travel a lot. So I jump out, I might be gone for two years and come back and see this change. And, we, and the resistance of trying to hold on to something uh, sometimes I find it easier to sort of try and move with it. Yeah. I speak very sort of abstract there, but like... No, no, I get it, you know, because I think your experience of Dublin then is you're popping back every now and then and... Yeah, let's say the George Bernard Shaw's, my studio was there and yeah. uh, closed down or all very sad, but I was sort of focused on the how great that was, mm. how great of a time that was and it, it changes. The, that, that that little thoroughfare there, the city was always sort of yeah. crap shit and derelict and so I don't mind changing as well but I'm also mindful that we're losing I know. great spaces too. And speaking of spaces you're so when you first started tagging is that the expression I listen yeah. I'm going to sound so uncool now uh, yeah, Al. So, so you're what 14, 15, 13, yeah, 14? Yeah, 15. 15 14 so now, what was the scene like then so you're talking mid 90s was there much of a culture of it around? Yeah yeah there was it was good there was uh, it was like Rhythm there was a guy called Fresh Warren the first sort of people, as I got a bit older, explored, went into town. There's a shop in Temple Bar, called, uh, a guy called Sneaky or something. <laughs> um, it's where a Skate City, I yes, think, is now. Yes, and, yes, And uh, that was the first sort of graph shop. And that's where I met some of my peers, like George, John O'Reilly, the TDA clan, uh, Rez and ID were. So you go into town, just hang out. Go in, get in a bus into town. Yeah. You know, you go in with your fiver. Um Put in your sock <laughs> <laughs> and uh, try and catch you Temple Bar. Um, was it was it rough then Temple Bar? No, but no. I think again, I'm forty two. But when you're fifteen, there's different worries and fears yeah, going course, into yeah. town, and I'm sure that I think it's even more evident now. So, um, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I just got I, I got to know as I, I, in terms of the scene comparison to what it is now, yeah. and uh, let's say how 
busy the writers are, I guess it doesn't have a touch on that. Like, yeah. you know, I'm like, my graffiti career is probably like that warm up, you know, compared to what I can, what I see doing now. And um, that's the influences of learning from the past. And would you spend the day then looking for places? Yeah, you just blank like walls or, or going or, around on your bike or with your with your cans in your in your back. And uh yeah, yeah. and you'd find I, I gravitated towards more production. So you'd find old factories or yeah. reservoirs and paint them and spend time on really sort of I definitely had I always had an interest in art. So um marrying graffiti with that was like this lovely little synergy because I still got to, you know, be a young boy in Dublin exploring the city, be Mr. like you know up to no good and then getting to still express myself so I found myself sort of going towards doing sort of characters and bigger more elaborate pieces but I still enjoyed to going out at night and painting I have to say it sounds incredible yeah it was lots of fun it sounds like a dream for for a 14 15 year old have the freedom in the city hang out with your pals <laughs> Some cause a bit of cause a bit of ruckus and havoc but like all very innocent really I suppose it is it yeah. is and you're you're trying to learn you're trying to figure yourself out and like why you want to do it and you know like I think back to like why was the motivation what was, have you thought of what it was or? yeah I think it's a lot to do with mark making and sort of yeah. feeling for me maybe felt lost and it's literally me letting myself know that I'm here mm. you know you're literally writing a wall the marking it set is show that you're present and I'm here and um, I think there's a lot of psychology behind that. That's I don't think because most of the um, the artists I've met wouldn't be coming from a head. They come from different backgrounds for sure, but they don't come from a, a vindictive, uh, yeah, yeah, um, destructive mm. place. Like they, you know, they 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 just want to leave an impression. I think. I think that's it. It's an interesting now that you say that. I'm listening to you say that, and you look back at your your journal that you get at school or your school bag or your jeans. Yeah. <laughs> and you'd spend so much of your time scribbling and scrawling and yeah. and writing your name or band titles or coming up with little logos for your friends. Man, it can be a meditation Isn't as well. That, yeah. You get into it, you know. Yeah. It's like, because I was always taught, like, During art those is always years. part. And when I paint, I'm like, it just gives this release. And so I'm sure it was like that back then, just this little escape to go paint. and Yeah. And especially and, as, a, as a teen... Yeah, you've got feel, a lot of built-up anxiety yeah. there and stress and, you know, as young men, there's probably anger there as well because they're not mm. taught how to express it. So if if it if that's a way of people needing to... Channeling that. Channeling it. Yeah, it's yeah. not a bad thing, you know. I don't I don't feel it is. It's amazing. I actually never thought of it that way because my copy books, or whatever we call them, or even my wall in my bedroom, and we're going to... Yeah. This brings me up beautifully. I did a little bit of street art myself. Nice. Uh, when I say street <laughs> art, bedroom art. Yeah. And it was actually... It actually features... And the lead singer of the next band in your, for your second choice of your recorded history, and like any true artist, you're full of surprises, and you've done an about turn here. We're going back to 1969 now. <laughs> yeah, always keep us guessing. So, Al, what is the second choice in your recorded history? Um, the Doors, yeah, Jim Morrison with a soft parade, mm. probably one of the favorite of the. There's LA Woman and. Marston Hotel, but Soft Parade or something. Yeah, this is your favourite Doors album. Yeah. Because it's, it's mad, because this is considered by some as their, their weakest. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. You know, that's fine <laughs> as well, but it's only that, because I, I haven't listened to this in, in ages, and I was like, but it always had this reputation in my head. I was like, oh yeah, this is them on the way out kind of thing. It's Yeah. And I listened to it. It's much, 
it's good. There's some, there's at least, at least half the songs are very good on this. Yeah, this is it. It's one of those albums in like LA Woman and stuff. They've got the heavy hitters, but mm. there's a lot of what I thought were duds. I just gravitated towards that, that album a lot more. When it's their fourth album, yeah. Is it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and again, that's I was probably 16, 17. There's another coming of age here now again. Okay, good. You know, you're, you find yourself a bit more, you're, you're drinking now and all the other bits that go with that. And, <laughs> <laughs> and the doors aligned very well. The doors, yeah, they're the kind of house band for that, weren't they? Yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, <laughs> you know, and there's definitely like bonding of, of, of friends there. And, uh, it, uh, you know, on a deeper level as well, there's friends I've lost now, um, young young guys who are friends uh, who we, are, we shared a lot of good memories of the album mm, and stuff. Okay. So, so it brings doors, back a lot of those the, days. The doors hold a lot of uh, memories for that period of time of uh, us young guys that sort of didn't really have a clue but were definitely in the moment and enjoying it. And, and these are friends that you would have been graffitiing with? No. Or just so different sort of, yeah, There was different crews was there Different then. sort of heads, yeah. yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm like, back then, everything sort of amalgamated now. Everything's... Uh, integrated but back then they were quite separate so I had the hip hop okay um, graph friends and then I had my mates okay and uh, my mates were sort of knew that Al did that you know did his graffiti and stuff like that and were you two different people with the two groups then or were you did you uh, oh on? no no in terms of the personality same. totally yeah. same yeah yeah um, no totally the same but like we were more on missions when we did graffiti or painting or going to do murals you know you're going in but like no there was crossovers for sure friends okay. everyone sort of knew each other but this is sort of a stage of like the start of the session and uh, okay how long did that last? <laughs> until about <laughs> 2007 yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what year is this though we're in though. so this is the, the album as I'd say just to give a bit of info it's the fourth album from the Doors, released July 69, the legendary Elektra. So what was happening here with them, they had just come off the back of a very gruelling world tour. I can imagine touring yeah. at the Doors when Jim Morrison was at his worst. <laughs> it was a very stressful situation. Yeah, yeah. And they were touring with Jefferson Aeroplane. So you can imagine that as yeah. well. So on the back of that, Morrison, not in a good place at all, mentally, physically, and I suppose from his addictions. Yeah. So then they took the album... Uh, the producer was, yeah, Philip Rothschild said, look, right. Morrison's not much use to us at the moment. Just just take the chance here. So Bobby Krieger, the guitarist, took up, he wrote, I think, over half the songs on this. Okay. And they took it in the big brass band orchestration. Yeah. Which is, I think, where a lot of the That's critics so at the time were going, turning their nose up at it, going, this doesn't sound like a Doors record. Right. But I think it's all the better for it, you know, that it just goes to show that I think the Doors are kind of underappreciated musically, I think. Mm. I think there was, I remember the 90s very well when the movie came out. It's a bit, yeah, couple, remember that, you know, the Oliver Stone movie came out and then The Best of the Doors came out. That's what prompted me then to get into my street art. And I, and I that iconic picture of, of, of Morrison, the cover of, yeah, and I, and I drew that, that on my wall. Did it, did, actually did, it was so good that even my father went, he came stormy up the stairs and he smelled the paint. And what the, and he opened the door and he went, Jesus. Fair play, boy. It's not <laughs> and I was like, I turned around, I was like, paint, I, I, that was my one and only foray <laughs> into tagging my own bedroom. That's how kind of scared I was. But I remember the doors were a big part of a lot of lads. Yeah. Of the, it was in everyone's collection. I yeah. think the 90s, here's what I think. That the 90s, if you, you remember the 90s as well as I do, yeah. you know, I'm a little older than you. There's a lot of the 60s around in the 90s. This is it. Wasn't there a lot of like, even the fashion? 
if you think about like the flares were coming back and the tie dye and there's Jimi Hendrix had a you know he was like sort of had a bit of a revival. Yeah, there was we're still within like HMV the posters and all this sort of psychedelic artwork. Coming exactly. Back so yeah, Not from an artistic point of view, but like mm. you know, there's oh, still quite visually yeah. relevant. I had this revival first, and I think even the movies and then I remember the Wonder Years and all this. Like so, the yeah. '60s, whilst and I suppose it was only 20, 30 years ago, it wasn't that far behind us. Mm. You know, our parents oh, yeah, remembered yeah. it very well. But I think stylistically and culturally and musically, cinematically and all this, it was a big presence in the 90s. Yeah. And I think that the doors were a big part of that, even graphically from that amazing image of Morrison. And then I remember a lot of my female friends in school going, oh, he's so beautiful, he's so gorgeous. Yeah. And he had the charisma and he was the, the Lizard King and all this. The Lizard King. Yeah, yeah. And I think this album, you know, the soft parade, it, it over the years hasn't, uh, been gotten much kind treatment from the critics, yeah. but I'm so glad you well, picked you said it because about the orchestra there. I think that was the part that drew me towards it. Like, yeah, you know I mean, Bec- and then think about it as well the movies back then, like the Vietnam movies. That's right. Yeah. Like they were the, uh, like Full Metal Jacket, like, but the soundtracks to them incredible. Yeah, like, and um, like yeah, I think there was a lot of that. Credence were a big part yeah. in sort of Vietnam movies mm-hmm. as well. So everything's just sort of tied in at that time. And he had the Do you remember Elliot Forrest Beard Gump? The soundtrack to Forrest Gump, like for yeah. God's sake, like it's, a, it's one of the best. So I think it was all that sort of yeah, the rebellious spirit of him. Maybe we we look towards that yeah. in, in that sort of age. Okay, and then so where are you at now with your own art? Uh, you've obviously progressed. You've gone up a notch or two from when you were 14, 15. Yeah. Had you turned pro at this stage then? As <laughs> there's such a, I don't know if there's such a... <laughs> no, there definitely isn't. No, no. Uh, not if you're staying in Ireland. <laughs> but like... Uh, it, had you started selling art? And then, and then I, had I started, no. Uh, I, it's, it's actually sort of relation to another album I was talking about there in terms of that sort of step. But... Uh, it wasn't really a motivation or a drive to... It wasn't... You know what? It actually wasn't on the cards. There was no such thing as making money off graffiti yeah. and street art. It wasn't even called street art then. I think street art sort of came in when Banksy and sort of political sort of messaging. This is graffiti where you re- wrote your name. So you were, you'd were called yourself a graffiti artist then? Yeah, we had tags and the okay. idea was that to get your name up and sort of abstract typography, skewing these letter forms, expressing yourself like okay. that. And then you add it on by doing decorative backgrounds and characters. But that was the basis of it. Then this other sort of tier of sort of political art, Banksy stencils, that that's what I would sort of consider street art. Now it's just a big melting pot where you have graphic designers doing stuff and just motion graphics and there's projections and there's street art mixed with graffiti. It's all sort of... It's all kind of melted. It's all, it's all of, making yeah, art yeah, installations. Yeah. So now we're in galleries doing shows. So you could call it post-graffiti or post-street art. It's... So you're, you're not just an artist. What do you describe yourself as? Oh, oh yeah, just an artist now. An artist now, just isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. An, artist. Old artist. <laughs> an old artist. An old artist. Here's a, here's, a, here's a kind of tangential question that I've always been fascinated to yeah. ask an artist such as yourself. From a practical, logistical point of view, this is where I'm at in my age. Mm. You know, when you become a father again, you start thinking about the practical side of life more so. Yeah. So you're, you have a massive wall in the city. How The prep that goes in to getting that ready, you know, the equipment, the measurements. Yeah. How much of that uh, have you got it down now? But like all the prep that goes into kind of even before you even lift a brush towards the towards the yeah. wall. How much maybe is it weeks or what, what's the process I for know, that? I could paint a mural tomorrow, start yeah. and have it done depending on the size in a few days. Because each, each piece leads on to the next and you learn from that. So you've got your techniques and your, you know, your tools and you know, it really depends on the space. But no, it's 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 very easy for me to translate from a small sketch onto a big. Like, so you'll take a photograph of the wall, will you? Then or 
and then sketch from that and then go to the wall itself. Well, just, uh, let's say it was to just look at it and sort of guess the proportions on it and you'll do it. So you're still design. using, like it's amazing to me. Yeah, yeah. It's so, no, your art is so precise and, and like the angles and the, the clean lines. Yeah, so what did I, I, I painted a mural there a while ago and it was all brickwork so I used that as, as my grid so okay. that window leads to that point. So now you've got Photoshop and stuff so you'll have the artwork, you'll take a photo of the building and different techniques but you can Photoshop it onto the building. So that's your reference so then I go up and I can see where the window hits that blue corner and then I can do it as a mark. Wow. And it's a lot of back and forth. And once you've got just sort of template there, you can build it. I paint in layers, so might be a big loose yellow blob to start and then layer, layer. Mm. So each layer I do acts as a reference point for the next layer. It's sort of hard to explain. Okay. But um, so there's different techniques, you know, and uh, yeah, it's really enjoyable. And are you able to judge the amount of paint you need fairly well at this yeah, stage you, off you, the top you, of your head? Uh, yeah, I did a mural there just last week and I got it wrong by one can. I oh short by half a can. That is and then unbelievable, like 60, 70 cans. Yeah, because like, I've seen anyway. I've seen photographs of you using like oh no cherry pickers or whatever, yeah, the like boomlets, the boot yeah. and all this kind of carry on. And <laughs> I'm just like, how the fuck? Like it's yeah, it's great. good fun. It goes back to just being play, you know, and uh, getting to play with heavy machinery. <laughs> Speaking of heavy machinery, there's a band in the mid two thousands <laughs> that you've chosen for your third record. I'm so glad Al that you've chosen this okay. uh, because one of the this is selfish and self involved, but one of the great things about this podcast it gives me a chance to go back on albums that I've neglected or forgotten about. Yeah. This is a big album for me as it was for so many Irish people 2006. Mr. Al Hester in with a bang with your third choice for your recorded history. What is it? It's uh, the Republic of Loose. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only way to say it. Yeah, yeah. Jesus almighty, what a record. What a, what a, Honestly, what a record, man. Huh? I done on loop. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, just, uh, it gives me goosebumps to think of what Ireland, Dublin was like there was, a, there was a magic little period there. What year was that? 2006. Mid two, only 2006. Mid-2000s, yeah. So where am I then in my artist career? I am started around 95, so we're looking at 10 years later. Mm-hmm. That makes, sense, makes sense. Yeah. So the Republic of Loose, I don't know, email me or texted me. I don't know what it was back then. And So I, you'd made a bit of a name for yourself at this stage. Sorry. I was sort of, yeah, come, yeah. I was... I have a name around town a bit uh, just because Dublin city centre is small, small so you can get up pretty getting up mean like get your name up pretty quick and were you commissioned at this day you were getting commissions and no this is one of my first okay, okay. so I was I was I had an interest in graphic design and graphic design and graffiti are sort of alike in some way yeah so um, I the lads I think it was Dave one of the band members messaged me got in contact with me and met me in Temple Bar, and they were setting up a band called Republic Illusion, and what I do the logo. You did the logo. So that's my. I did not right. know that. That's my handwriting. Right. You did the logo. Yeah, I did the logo. Oh my god! Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So we met, and we met upstairs in what used to be called Eamon Dorns. Dorns, yeah. Eamon I was just gonna, I knew it was gonna be Dorns. They had, I had, they had the their. I think the rehearsal space upstairs. That's right. Yeah. And we met, and we had all these ideas and chatting. Because Dermot was managing them or he was involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He he ran the bar, the pub downstairs as well. He had, he had I think it was his own, I don't know. And he commissioned me to paint the stairwell of that pub, wow. you know. But anyway, I went and uh, I met them and we're all just didn't know what we're doing. And <laughs> we were looking at inspiration and sort of like Michael Jackson off the wall sort of thing, you know. 
and we met and we had a pint and it just turned into a lot of pints so nothing happened and then we yeah, met again it. and I think we had another lot of so then it just got to stage where like we were over thinking it so we're just in the studio and I just spray painted the name on the wall that was it and they photographed it and that was it that's amazing because it is yeah, iconic well, look at it it's a bit rough but it was it was very like it represented the band it, so it represented beautiful. everything at that moment there yeah, was like yeah. okay we're, we're mauling this let's just write on the wall we've asked you to write it here I am trying to put on this other hat as a graphic designer it didn't matter they just wanted me to tag that's the, the, what the band were about and it was drips and the, the, some of the letters that he was rotten <laughs> but like it's sort of yeah, it's going back to what you referenced Dublin with his cracks and all like that Jesus. was it there you know? they were you know they were such and again I don't mean to reduce them again at all because they're such an important band but they felt like at that I think it was a magic look it was Celtic Tiger era there was a lot of good things that happened yeah you know people there was a lot of money knocking around but with that came a lot of confidence yeah and artists there was a lot of you know venues were like Doran's was absolutely flying gave you know Gave recourse to bands like Republic of Loose investment from record companies. Sorry, the summons after collapsing outside or something. <laughs> but anyway, I'll start again. But there was such a lovely vibe around Dublin around that time that I think Republic of Loose very much represented. Yeah. That, you know, kids in their late teens, early 20s coming from all over the country, co coalescing in Dublin. The bars were buzzing. It was hopping. Yeah. And these, I don't know, how would you describe them? Like the sounds that are on this album... Unbelievable. It, it transverses from funk to soul to rock yeah. to eighties yeah. to, to, to space. It's George song Clinton. Was unexpected. Yeah, it's it's know. so impossible to categorize. And Mick Pyro, like you couldn't yeah. have picked a better frontman, you know. Yeah, yeah, so incredible. And uh, I genuinely think they're ahead of the time. Mm. I think I think you're right. Yeah. Now, like they'll be bang on the button. But uh, and and whoever knew them, you 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 knew they knew what's up. <laughs> you know, when yeah. you knew that when, when you knew their when you knew their music and. Uh, Dermot then, I met him a few years out, I haven't seen him in years, but um, yeah, it was an amazing time back then. It was, I think, you know, it's an often maligned time, because when, as soon as you say Celtic Tiger, yeah, or those couple of years before the crash, people instantly put the kind of, I suppose they stick the, the fucking superficial, money-grabbing banks, people buying shit that they don't need or have. Yeah. But there was, underneath, away from all that, like I was... <laughs> Look, I was away from those two streets away. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So, like, you yeah. have Dawson Street where there is whatever bars are all but white that didn't with blue lights going on at all. And then two streets over, you'd have like, musically Dublin was hopping. You yeah. know what I mean? And you'd you had like, re-raw, re -raw, and, like, yes. Do you know what I mean? All of, and all like you know the pod, all of that was yeah. happening. There was clubs, there was rock venues, Whelan's still to this day, but that was in its pomp. Yeah. And I think people, you know, of course, when you say, and as I said before, but there were so many great things going on. And I yeah. think that that confidence. Around town. Yeah, there was, you know, and you knew everyone yeah. if you were lucky and you'd be yeah. able to go for, you could be able to bounce from bar to bar. And I remember I, I would consider the loose uh, top three, four, anyway, five, anyway, definitely live bands this country's ever produced. Yeah. If you're in Eamon Doran's watching Republic of Loose, it's half 11, 12. Yeah, and you've got to see. You've got a couple in you, like, you know, maybe four or five pints in, and they when they hit their groove and hit their... <laughs> and Mick was... Yeah, and then the bass... And they, you What's got the sense... Purcell, you got, I think, is named the, the bass player. Dara, was it? I think his name, nickname was Purcell. So my memory might serve me out. I think he went to primary school with me. But right. He was like a class or two ahead of me. There was Brez, and then they had the girls on the... On the, the women, then there was the backing singers who have gone on then to... Yeah. One of them married Kieran from the De Laurentos. I've forgotten her name, so God forgive me. But... Uh, and then they were all a kind of a collective almost, you know, but yeah. when you were watching them in their full flight, they were so, like any great band, you know, we're talking a lot about a lot of great bands, they were unpredictable. You didn't yeah. know, there was an energy, there was almost like a, 
Do you know who's a new energy now, man? Yeah. I was down in uh, Killarney, and it's this band. I'll get it wrong now, right? But they're <laughs> called something like, we're cooks, but we're chefs. Or, or chefs, we're cooks. Okay. Something. I feel bad now. Cause no, no, I'll get it. I'll get it. These dudes, uh, sorry, men and women, like it's a mixed group, are unbelievable. Yeah. When I l- heard them play um, down in Killarney, it gave me that same thought right. energy that the Republic of Luce had. Yeah. They were just like off the cuff, like feeding off each other's energy they were like it was a hot sk- it was just incredible that's it isn't it it was incredible that's why live like, venues like Doran's and their flow state yeah, together so they're all rhythmically just like jumping into each other's space it yeah was almost so check them out and you know you get a bit of that now with the current kind of revival in the trab with Lancome and the we're Mary Wallopers electric lives what's it called we're cooks but we're chefs okay great like I'll check them out you know and Mick Pyra's new recent solo album is very good yeah, it's good. It's great to see him to back to doing what he, you know. Because I saw him in Wheelands a good few years ago. Yeah, and I was on. I was, I was just passing through. But yeah, look, they were a band that shone quick, but they shone bright, you know. And they left some incredible songs, like yeah. every song on Ah. Uh, it's about the seventeen. I forgot the seventeen songs on it as well. And that <laughs> intro is outrageous. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, so look, that brings us uh, onto your or onto four records, and we're absolutely rattling Oops. through them. But each one is as good as the next. I know this one and this artist in particular means a lot to you. So, this came out in 2003. Al, can you tell us what your fourth and final choice is for your recorded history? It's uh, Damien Dempsey, Seas Today. Yeah. Even the title says it all. Jesus, yeah. Carpe <laughs> Diem. What a record this is. Why is this here? Because, uh, uh, again, it goes back to, you, you're asking me to look at it and there's just these, these are all sitting within a 10-year Ten-year mm. period for me, at, uh, roughly around that fifteen. Minutes. So from about fourteen to twenty, like mid twenties, mid teens to mid yeah, mid twenties. Yeah, yeah, there was just a lot of <clears throat> a lot of touch points happened in my life, you know. And uh, Damo, I think, was a voice that I needed mm. at a time. And if I'd be totally honest with you, I was sort of walking the dart line one night, right? Sort of, you know, had to. I was out of my house. And uh, I was walking there very lonely and I had the ear tunes and the, the, your negative vibes won't, won't yeah. get me down. And that's just like God in me and, mm. it, and it just sort of saved, saved the day for me. And uh, he, uh, I owe a lot to Damo. And, um, so this is his second album, yeah. This is his second album, yeah. And then so, yeah, he cut to years. It was just like, and I just had that on loop, you know, and it just sort of was a voice to help me, which I think probably helps a lot of other No, I think so. And I think like, like if you look at the track listing for this, you know, Negative Vibes, obviously, track one, Ghosts of Overdoses. Jesus almighty. Jesus, man. What a song it is. Seize the Day to finish up. An Apple of My Eye, beautiful. And there's a song called Celtic Tiger, of course there was. <laughs> uh, Industrial School, Great Gales of Ireland, and the Marching Season Siege. Like, there's loads of songs that, if you were to cut Damien like a cake, <laughs> <laughs> the songs on his album would layer up beautifully to represent, <laughs> I think, not, listen, I'm sounding like a wanker here, but like, I, I'm, a huge fan of Damien Dempsey. Yeah. I think he's an incredibly important, significant figure, not just for Irish music, but I think, you know, uh, did you see his show, first of all, did you see his show in the Abbey? Stories yeah. from Holywell. Yeah, he's by the sound. You know, I, I spoke about this again recently, but uh, I just can't get on with theatre, right? I just, I don't have the genes for it. I don't know what it is. I just cannot. So my friend was involved in that production and I was like, Conor McPherson, yeah, okay. It's a play, is it a play? I was like, I was weary. Yeah, oh, was is it a play, is it a play? No, it's not. Yeah. You know, and it is and it isn't. It's, it's so many different things. For anyone listening who hasn't seen it, hopefully he brings it back. It basically tells his life story through his song. It's part musical, yeah. part one-man show, part stand-up. Yeah. And then, it's, you know, it's, and then he 
intersperses his life story and his stories, which he tells beautifully. Yeah, yeah. Very and then with the songs that we that we've known to come love known uh, come to love him through, and the production and the setting of it is so simple and elegant. Yeah. So I'd, if he ever he should bring it back because it was a, a massive success. Well, I don't, I don't want to speak out of but I think you. Oh, is he? Okay, that's <laughs> well, I don't know. I think, yeah, we have that from Alan. Look, and you know what I'm basing off? Something sells out. Yeah, that fast. Look, whatever. It's done. Yeah, he's got a tour. Going to do that yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. He's got a tour. But that there's a lovely vulnerability that he showed there, like definitely out of his comfort zone, and you know, being this big man that who is we sort of like exactly literally look it. up to on the stage. I'm yeah. luckily consider him a good friend, and uh, he just yeah. When you see just his big powerhouse be vulnerable, you're like, yeah. oh, okay, it's okay. That's ex- you be. just hit the nail on the head, Al, because you know what you've described there for yourself as a Dublin lad walking down, I'm assuming down the canal, I'm just going to put that picture in my head. Yeah. But you're going through a hard time and, you know, going through some negative thoughts yeah. and you put Damien Dempsey. There was no artist, I, I could be corrected on this, but I don't think there was any artist, male specifically, that spoke to working Dublin or even Irish men that Damien did, coming from a place oh. of very pure masculinity yeah. and mach- machuism and keep your mouth shut and you, you know, yeah. And he'd have never talked about your feelings. And here's a man, as you say, even physically, like he comes from a family of yeah, boxers. Brother's so. even bigger. Yeah, his brother's even bigger. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I've met Damien quite a few times over the years. And I said, and this lad standing beside him was like, sorry, who the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. His brother's like another head over him. And yeah. his dad, you know, and the way, now my favorite Damien Dempsey song of all time is on Shots, which is the album after this. It's, and it ties in beautifully with you at Spray Can. Back alley. alley. I just yeah. can't get past it. Like these young lost men, like, you know. And you know, and he paints a picture of, and that so many lads can relate to. Yeah. You know, the the car up in the blocks, and then. Yeah. Need to escape. Need to escape. You know, and this is what he gave voice for. And you, you end up with the quote. Uh, the Oscar Wilde, some Oscar of us are looking up at the, yeah. Uh, uh, we're, so, we're all in the gutter. Sorry, that's a very bad Damien impression, but you have to see it. <laughs> but we all do it when we're singing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but some of us are looking at the stars, you know, and. Yeah. You know, his accent is so poignant. He's, and I think he's, and I'd never heard, like I remember my first, I suppose when I came across Damien first was Dublin Town. Come on down. And to my mind then, I was like, oh, who's this? Reggae. Yeah, it was like, I felt like it was a novelty song. I had right written him off as like this, who's this? Going from the south side, going oh, up the glare of the city. <laughs> see it in the sky. You see it in the faces that's a passing oh, you by. That was just sitting right in there because I was loving. There was a yeah. chapter in my life where I loved dance hall yeah. and yeah, 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 Bougie yeah. Bampton and all this. So mm. it was just sort of set in with that. And that's like, a very Dublin like, sound as well, you know, and his accent and the way he's, yeah. his pronunciation. And I was like, what? Is this? Yeah, and yeah. I was like, this guy, nah, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I, then I was like, oh, I'm absolutely incorrect because this guy is going to prove himself to be one of the most powerful. He really is, and important yeah. figures in music. And you know, you can see it in the faces of the people at his gigs, the Ivy Gardens in particular. I don't know. If oh, you, yeah, yeah. It's a demo. It's a magical dish this year. Now, it's, yeah. There's something magical there. But and getting to bring people with you now, you know, like my wife's going to come with me. Yeah, she hasn't been just to share in it. Oh, it's a share. Yeah, yeah. And you know, I know I mentioned alluded to before Al about what Damien means to you in a professional sense because you've mentioned uh, in previous discussions and interviews that I suppose people always ask you the question what are your favourite pieces I know the repeal uh, logo or yeah yeah logo sort of it feels a bit a symbol symbol yeah sorry yeah even me saying it I don't know how to name it either but it's iconic anyway I was literally look at a red paint in my hands I was literally down there touching it up yeah oh were you oh great yeah but then the other one you cite was back in 2009 just before the 
destruction of the Ballymun flats. Yeah, yeah. So if you can, do you mind talking about that for a second? Yeah, I was out in Ballymun um, doing, I do um, some youth work and stuff like that mm. with some youths and they were doing some projects and I was walking through Ballymun with a, a fella called Dean Scurry. And, oh yeah, Billy uh, Scurry. Spar- is Billy Scurry? No, it's Dino. Billy Scurry's the DJ. Sorry, my fault. Yeah, um, there's uh, only there's two Scurries. There's two Scurries. Maybe they're related. <laughs> probably are. And then um, Sparky, another fellow there, youth worker. And we were walking, just taking a break, and I was looking at the the block there, and I was like, I'll be mad to paint that. And then by the time we got to the end of the road, we're like, why don't we try and paint it? Wow. And that was sort of, I was painting this projects with Damien Dempsey in 2009. I got onto him because mm. he had such an influence on me. I, I said, could I meet him? Met him in Grogan's and sort of explained this idea. It's like, I'd love to put your words in a different space and see could it resonate with, you know, other people or just sort of pay homage to what he's done for me. And it, it, it grew into a huge project where I painted like 20 murals of different wow. lyrics by him. And it gave me then just access to Damo and his insight. And we, we, we built it. must it. have been an incredibly moving Man, it was, I can't project. even explain. Like, yeah, you're yeah. waking on text. Because Damo just, you know, he doesn't do 9 to 5. So he might get like a burst of like, <laughs> a verse that might be, is only used in like the most recent album. But he sent me these lyrics 10 years ago, like 15 different versions of it in a Jesus, text. Yeah. And uh, it sent me going into Mountjoy Prison and St. Pat's painting murals for there with the inmates, mm-hmm. his words. And then the finale was painting the mural, um, Concrete Mother Jungle Farewell to the Stairwell Forever. He painted it. I got the the block, let's say, because it wasn't one of the towers, it's like nine, it's nine or ten floors. I said, you've got nine words here. you got to get a nine words. And he sent that and he just banged it, it got it done. And I believe, like, his family, when he was young, I think they moved out then, but when he was very young, his, his mum and dad lived there. Like, wow, so, so it meant a lot um, to him as well. And then the destruction of it. Were you there for the, for the demolition? Yeah, yeah, Jesus. and it was amazing. That was another part of that piece, you know, saying yeah. farewell to it and then it being demolished. So, yeah, it was very... There was one of the times where I sat back and I sat across at the Ballymore Shopping Centre. I just sat down and was finished, and I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty good. What a moment. You know, what a moment in terms of, like... You know, it made no sense to anyone. Like this hadn't been done, made no sense to anyone. Um, and then sort of everyone sort of huddled together. It was sort of a bit like what you said out the Republic of Lusic. Oh, everyone sort of like one just sort of got together and mm-hmm. sort of made this piece. So I was, let's say, the lead singer of that. Okay, but there was yeah, loads yeah. of other people that yeah, were had a part of playing yeah. a collective. Mm-hmm. You know, making it happen. Johnny Moy was a part of playing it. Of course, yeah. And uh, so yeah, it was a really special moment. magic. Yeah, it really was magic. Uh, listen. Thank you so much yeah, for taking the time. We got through the albums. We got through. There was so much I wanted. We'll get you in again. And what's next? What's the next big? Um, just go with the flows. You're saying. I'm working on a group exhibition. I own a gallery in Tilia now, so I'm working on a group show with them. And then I'm gonna try and sort of lay low a little bit and do a, a, get my head together for a big show next year. And I'm venturing with the idea of making a book of all my work, Fantastic. which will be a beast of a project but Jesus. something I want to do fantastic yeah best of luck with that Man, thanks for having us Al thanks again for coming in and sharing your beautifully appointed and perfectly sketched <laughs> recorded history <laughs> oh, lovely <laughs> Al Hester aka legendary visual artist Mazer and one of the coolest individuals I have met in years sharing his thoughtful and affecting recorded history a great talent and a really genuinely lovely lovely man and I wish him the best of luck with what will be an absolutely stunning book of his work. I really hope you enjoyed my musical meandering with Al and the insight into some of his own life and favourite records and that you'll join me next week and indeed every Sunday after that. If you want to check out any of Mazer's choices or indeed 
anything at all that might tickle your eardrums, I would absolutely love it if you did so by way of our sensational sponsors at therecordhub.com. Without them, well, I'm not sure even I would exist. Next week, I'm in conversation with one of the greatest singers and sounders this country has produced in an age, the mighty and magnificent Mayke. I've been Ed Smith. This has been Recorded History. Now, all you have to do is hit the old subscribe button and become a weekly listener. But above all that, subscribe to yourself. You fill up my senses like a night in the forest. Yeah? Okay. Good luck. Go Loud presents Recorded History. Hosted, produced and researched by me, Ed Smith, at Go Loud Studios. The show was created and executive produced for Go Loud by D. Ready. Our series is proudly supported by TheRecordHub.com, your local Irish and online record store.